0: Justice Tech Pros here. Today uh, I'm going to be doing an episode which is a play off an older episode where I'm going to talk about the result of something I was talking about. And to get into details, in the past I did an episode about informants and how when they're uh, testifying in court, the prosecution will continue to um, tell the jury that even though they're testifying That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get a good deal. It's all up to the judge and all this, you know, that they're facing all this big time and the judge may not give them a break. And as I said in the past, that's complete nonsense. That's really just something to put in the jury's head to make the jury think that the informant has nothing to gain and no agenda that they're still risking. They're just trying to do what's good and they're not going to get a benefit because they are still risking the fact that they could do a ton of jail time. And like I said in the past, I said that's just complete nonsense because it never works out that way and I would love to have a database that I think would be hugely effective and useful for defense attorneys where you get every single informant and if you were able to put together a a database that shows what they were facing and what they wound up receiving after they testified or after they cooperated and helped the case in one way or another, and I guarantee it's always going to be they wound up getting a slap on the wrist or getting a huge benefit out of it where they didn't have to do time that they were facing even close to what they were facing. So with that said, um, and the letter the letter that is issued is called the 5K1 letter. Uh, that's a letter that the government gives to the judge who is on the case of the uh, informants, you know, if the informants are facing their own criminal charges, the prosecution issues a 5K1 letter, which basically is like a review. You know, it tells the judge everything positive that the informant did to help them with other cases. So now <clears throat> let's flash, f- f- you know, flash forward a bit. The result of I'm going to talk about the case that I was involved with Um my father's case, but I'm going to talk about it almost like third person, just to give the listeners an idea of how these things play out, so it doesn't seem like I have, uh, you know, a personal attachment to it, which I do. I'm going to do my best to try to just talk about the facts and uh, try not to, uh, you know, have my uh, personal opinion shine through too much until, until later on, because trust me, I'm going to have to vent a little bit about these degenerates that I am talking about. But I just want you to understand how it works and how it plays out in reality, not based on what the government tries to tell you and what the government tries to tell the jurors and where they try to make it like these informants are at such a risk of doing the rest of their life in prison and they're just cooperating out of the goodness of their heart and they want to, you know, turn a new leaf. That's just not the case. It's not a reality and people need to understand that. So, for example, on the case of... Uh, I think the, the label of the case was the, uh, on the new indictment, the case was the United States versus Londonio. So now on that case, you have Christopher Londonio, you have Matthew Madonna, you have uh, Terrence Caldwell, and you have Stephen Crea, Stephen L. Crea. So now there was two uh, informants who had, there was more than two, but I'm going to be discussing these two for the purpose of this podcast. Who had a role in the case? First, you had this um, Frank Pesquad the uh, third. They call him Frank Pesquad Jr., but I, I think technically he was the third. But anyway, you have this degenerate who um, he was part of now getting the initial indictment. So he told all of these lies, which were exposed tremendously uh, throughout pre-trial hearings, and I'm sure you read if if you read the book guilt for the guiltless, you have a great insight onto all the lies this guy told. So he was a, a key component to getting the initial indictment. So he, he made up a lie, he made up stories where he had a conversation with somebody uh, who supposedly had said that my father uh, gave the nod or was okay with the, the Meldish murder. Now, this piece of garbage was then exposed as pretrial hearings, you know, uh, started playing out and motions were put in where he changed his so- story time and again. And he wound up being just proven a liar and uh, which we already know, but now the government saw that his lies just couldn't be suppressed. You know, I don't know how they didn't know he was a liar from the beginning, but let's assume they, they didn't. But as, as the, you know, Pretrial motions were submitted and findings were offered and the discovery was issued. It just came more and more how much of a liar he was. I mean, I don't want to get into all the details of that because it's exhausting. But just one of the main lies, which is incredible, is he started off saying that he, he and his father actually killed Michael Meldish. So he starts off saying that, and which is... I don't even you know know where he got that from, but it's obvious he was looking to probably frame his father. So that right there gives you insight into the character of somebody like that. you know. So now, he didn't even wind up testifying at trial, mind you. Uh, the government pulled him because he was such a liar and he was so uh, untrustworthy and it was just so easily to prove this guy was a liar, a degenerate. That They didn't want to put that in front of the jury, so they pulled him, which when you think about it, it it doesn't make much sense for someone to get indicted. Now, these individuals were indicted in the first place. He played a a major role in that. He was part of the grand jury. He had to, I don't know if he physically gave testimony or an agent relayed what his uh, tale was to the grand jury, but he had a major role in the initial indictment. So now when you think about that, the initial indictment, this was a key player to get the indictment in the first place. Now he's out of the picture. One would think that the indictment falls because this guy was proven untrustworthy, proven to be a liar. But of course it doesn't work that way. They just uh, rework the facts the way they want them and make up uh, information and try to spin things another way to keep the indictment strong and they'll bring in other players, which... Enter David Evangelista, who I'm going to get into. So now, Frank the III, who, again, the guy had a uh, degenerate beyond degenerate, uh, junkie, every kind of drug you could think of, from heroin. He got arrested in Mississippi on heroin, uh, all kinds of low-life stuff. He told them in, in Mississippi that he has all this information on an organized crime case. So now, of course, you know, they swoop in, they scoop him up and they bring him to Westchester, to Putnam County, and they put him in the, in that uh, facility which houses uh, informants from what I'm uh, told. So they put him in there. Now, what, now think of the, about this. While he's in there, okay, and he's feeding them all this BS and all this nonsense and all these lies, he winds up getting indicted again where he was dealing drugs in the facility. Okay, now... Uh, on his indictment, he got indicted on March 2016 and they have him, as you know, Frank Pesquad Jr. Again, I think he's really a third, but we'll just call him Jr. A.K.A. Anthony Bianco. So I guess he had this also known as Anthony Bianco. So uh, whatever that nonsense is about. And it says on the indictment, uh, he intentionally and knowingly provided to an inmate of a prison a prohibited object. And possessed and prohibited objects, specifically a narcotic drug, and attempted to do so while incarcerated at Putnam County Jail in Carmel. So now this guy was working with the feds, and he commits another crime. He's dealing drugs in jail, okay? He commits another crime. So he gets hit with that crime. Now, of course, he's not worried about it because he knows he's just telling all these lies, and he knows it's going to go away. And what winds up happening, you flash forward to recently, I think this happened, I don't know, last week or the week before. He winds up getting time served. No, it, it actually happened sooner than that because he's been out a few months. What do you think happens? You know, they tell, as I said, the prosecution tells everybody that, oh, he could face 30 years, 40 years. He was facing big time. What do you think winds up happening? The judge gives him time served, and this guy got out, from what I read, it was in a, a blog today. I think he got out about three months ago. Now, part of his plea, I believe, which is sealed. They seal that so we can't see what he pled to. But part of his plea had to be something to do with the murder because that's what tied him in so he you know, could uh, pretend he was involved and he had all this inside info. So they had to make it that he had something to do with it and he was in the know. So part of the plea, which unfortunately is sealed so we can't see exactly what it was, had to do with murder. He got time served. He's out. In addition, this guy, his his own mother, which is part of court records, it's public records, his own mother had a protective order against him in the past. He was such a junkie lowlife that his own mother, okay, had to have a protective order. Just think about the character of that, that you, your own mother is frightened for her well-being in your presence. What kind of degenerate lowlife are you that that's the case? That sums it all up for me. I mean, from where I come from, you know, you could always judge a man on how he treats his mom, okay? And and, and just that alone told me all I needed to know about this piece of garbage. His own mother had a protective order. Then I believe his wife had one, his girl had one lowest of the low, I mean, now what's even more amusing is I was reading in this blog, this clown is now going to be on a podcast, an upcoming podcast with another group of rats where they all do, you know, a a podcast. And so all the informants are getting together and they're doing podcasts now. That's the big thing, you know? So you're going to have this guy, you mark my words, he's going to go on there who knows when it's going to hit, but he's going to go on there and all you're going to hear are these tough guy, crazy animal stories, how crazy they are, how tough they are, and they're going to be bragging. So he, now you have this guy out in the street, he got a slap on the wrist, and why? You want to break it down, why? Because his lies fit the narrative the government wanted to tell where it related to a target. So because he picked a high-profile target which was the case he was involved in, Stephen Crea, uh, Matthew Madonna, Christopher Landonio, Terrence Caldwell, because he picked high profile, you know, organized crime, the whole the whole headline-grabbing defendants that they want to have, because he picked that, he was able to get this sweet deal where he gets a slap on the wrist, he's out now, now he's doing, I don't know what else to call it, but I guess you'd call it promotion, right? He's on podcasts, he's promoting. So now he's doing podcasts, and like getting back to what I said, you mark my words. When that airs, you're going to hear all the tough guy stories. You're going to hear how crazy they are. Now, obviously, they're going to leave out the part where they're all chemically induced. They're they're shooting up. They're snorting. They're smoking. they're Doing whatever to act in their mind what they think is crazy. I call it degenerate what they do. They call it crazy. You know, but they want to act like they're tough. They're, this is the bottom line. You're degenerate. You're a low life. You're not tough. You could talk tough now. Because you have the government on your side. You have an army on your side. Anybody could talk tough when they have the army on their side. So they're going to talk tough. They're going to go on there. He's going to tell all his crazy stories, how he was crazy and he was a degenerate. But, you know, they won't, they won't say it's degenerate. They're going to make it like how tough and insane he was and how they're the toughest ones out there. It's a joke, okay? It's an absolute joke that this is even allowed. Where these informants are allowed to now get together and do promotions and charge for podcasts and make money, it's insane. And I hope every attorney listening starts taking notice of all these things. And I spoke about this. Get all of these podcasts, get every ounce of information, get all of these plea deals, get all of that, and use it in cases. You have to show the jury the reality of what these guys are after. They're not looking to turn over a new leaf. It just didn't pop in their head to, to become what they consider a good guy, quote-unquote, and do and do things the right way. That's not the case here. It's very simplistic. They have no backbone. They want to go around doing all these degenerate crimes. They want to do drugs. They want to deal with prostitutes, all these low-life things. And then when they get jammed up and they're faced with time... Then they want to decide, oh, I got information because I want to turn a new leaf. No, it has nothing to do with that. They just don't want to go to jail. So what do they do? They try to pick a target that they know the government will want to hear about. And that's what they leverage. And even what's amazing is these are complete made up lies, but they get a deal based on lies. So now he gets a slap on the wrist. Think about that. He doesn't even want to testify at the trial, but they know he was the reason why they got the indictment. So they're going to reward him. So unlike what the government says where, you know, the 5K1 letter doesn't mean anything, it means a ton. It's huge. It helps tremendously because now the presiding judge gave him time served. Now he's out and about, and he's doing podcasts. And like I said, when that podcast comes out, I wish nobody would even listen to it, but you know people are going to. Watch how tough they talk. Watch how crazy they talk. But realize what you're dealing with. You're dealing with degenerate who his mother had to get a protection order against him. He's shooting up heroin. Uh, his wife got a protection order against him, so he's a woman beater on top of that, another degenerate act. You got, it really goes even deeper. I can't talk about certain things because there was a protective order on the case, but it goes way deeper. This guy's the lowest of the low, and he's going to try to go on there and come across like he's King Kong, and he's not. He's, he's, he's just a... To me, I think he's somebody with daddy issues because, first off, he tries framing his father, a degenerate right there, so he must have some kind of deep-down daddy issues. He's a grown man, but he's still holding on to his issues. His mother's had to get a protective order against him because he's such a degenerate. He's probably a... Well, not even probably. He's definitely a low life of a father, doesn't take care of his kids, doesn't take care of... Just a deadbeat, Okay. So now he's going to go on there, play the tough guy, talk about all his crazy stories. And they're going to talk all tough and they're going to, you know, talk about I'll fight this one, I'll be. Okay, let's break it down. Why are you talking tough? I thought you're turning over a new leaf. Why are you telling crazy stories? Why are you trying to impress people? And also, you have the government behind you. You could talk as tough as you want. Nobody's going to meet you because you're going to show up with the government behind you. You're going to try to entrap people. You're going to try to goat people. People aren't stupid. That's what you're going to try to do. You know, they think everybody's stupid. They're going to go on there. They're going to abuse people. They're going to talk about people like they know them. They don't know any of these people they're talking about. These are degenerates that nobody wanted anything to do with. They're like leftovers. And now they're going to come in like they're in the know. So, again, I know I said I'm going to try to keep my personal opinion out, but that went out the door as soon as I started talking about this low life. So, I, I guess I apologize for that, but it is what it is. Um, but just look at it now from a, a logical, common-sense perspective. You have somebody who committed all of these horrible crimes, was cooperating with the government, was supposed to be turning over a new leaf, and yet he goes to jail in a protective unit where it's like informants, and he's selling drugs there. That alone—how is that somebody that the government relies on and keeps trying to use, and then rewards him, gives him time served, lets him back out on the street? It's—it's—it's it's, it's mind-boggling. And now you get this other butte—you got this uh, David Evangelista. So his document actually wasn't sealed. His—I um, I pulled it up. His, uh, uh, what is this? This is his. Uh, it's the judgment. Now, here's another guy. They pulled him in. He was the one who made up the whole lie about Christopher Londonio escaping from jail, which was a lie because Christopher was uh, acquitted of that, and the jury got one count right, thankfully. They saw that was a lie. Well, they actually got two counts right. They saw that was a lie, and they also acquitted Stephen Crea, my father, for um, an attempted murder count. So they got they got the two counts right, but unfortunately, they got everything else wrong because they bought into the whole nonsense that the government was selling, but now this David Evangelista, he was the one who made up the whole escape about Chris, and he he testified, now I was reading the judgment which hit on, it was filed uh, July 10th, this guy was charged with escape, bank robbery, attempted robbery, and accessory after the fact, okay? He had all these offenses. What does he wind up getting? Time served on each count to run concurrently. So he's out also now. Again, both of these guys even though they gave the spiel in court that the 5K1 letter doesn't mean anything that it's uh, you know just a letter the government gives and the judge could do whatever they want. And the judge could hit them with a ton of time. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not how it works. That's not the facts. When you're sitting on a jury and you hear the government say that, if nothing else from all my podcasts, remember what I'm telling you now. Just realize that the informant in front of you has an agenda. Now, I'm not saying, I always say this, I'm not saying it's irrelevant what my personal beliefs on informants are. That's irrelevant. Forget about that. But all you do want is somebody to tell the truth. Any, any law-abiding citizen will want somebody in front of them to just tell the truth. So if they decided to become an informant, they should at least tell the truth. They at least owe the jury that, and they at least owe the justice system that. If you're dealing with an out-and-out liar, which is proven to be a liar, and and somebody's character, I know they always try to say, well, the character has nothing to do with the ability to tell the truth. That's not true. I, I don't agree with that. If you have a degenerate whose own mother is frightened for her well-being in his presence. That's a, You mean to tell me they're not capable of lying? That's absurd. That all has to do with character. Those are all character traits. So I think that logic is is flawed, and I think it's just an excuse, and I think it's something that the government tries to use to overcome when they know they're dealing with somebody who's lying and they know they're dealing with somebody who... Has horrible character, no moral compass, and will do anything to save themselves. And as I said, I'm not, I, I, I try to keep my personal opinion where it relates to how I feel on informants. That's irrelevant. Even if I don't like informants, even if I don't agree with it, as the listener, don't even count that as anything. Disregard that. That's just my personal opinion. That should have no impact. All I want you to do is go by somebody who is an informant, their ability to tell the truth. They should at least be truthful. If they're going to tell the truth, at least if you're sitting on the jury, you know the person in front of you is telling the truth, and then you make your decision that way. But if you have somebody lying, they're not informants. They're just liars. An informant is supposed to be informing others uh, about what took place. If they're just lying, they're just storytellers, and they're liars. And they're getting rewarded for lying. So now, the only message these type of things send, when you see time served, time served... The only message it sends is this. If somebody wants to be a criminal, they want to do all criminal acts, then they know in the back of their head if they wind up getting jammed up one day. All they need to do is select a high-profile target. Anybody that they know the government would want to get. Anybody with a target on their back, anybody with a label, and all they have to do is make up a lie about that person nothing needs to corroborate it nothing needs to back it up they just have to make up a lie about that person and they get a get out of jail free card how does that make any sense now this is what took place so they can't even argue well they may get big time they're facing big time i mean this Evangelista bank robbery escape that had to be at least 40 years he had to be facing federal bank robbery and escape at least 40 years and you get hit with time served a slap on the wrist which time served, I don't even know how long he was in, maybe a year, I don't even know. But he's out now. And the other thing, which is amazing to me, if somebody had a protective order on that piece of garbage, Pasqua, shouldn't they have notified the people who had the protective order that he was getting out? I mean, isn't that part of the law? And even like uh, would, would Michael Meldish, if he if he pled guilty to having something to do with the murder, certain the family of Michael Meldish have been notified that this individual is getting out? I think that's how it works, right? The victims are supposed to get notified. But, of course, all of that goes out the window. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's all you need to understand here. Again, I vent. I'm going to give my opinion. If I'm pissed off, you're going to know I'm pissed off because these things, the public doesn't realize it. But you could weed through all of that. And you could chalk a lot of that up to, well, he's taking it personal, And yeah, some things I do take very personally, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, Even on a professional level, I take it personally. When I work on cases where I have no ties to a defendant, I take it very, very personally. If I see this person getting uh, roasted and getting the screws put to him, and and really not getting a fair trial and just getting abused, I, I take that personally. Just as a citizen, I take that personally because if they could do it to that person, they could do it to anybody. I mean, look at my last podcast. I had somebody I never met this individual before. They were from Texas, and they were just talking about how they selected a target in Texas, and they wanted to putting this kid away in jail. And and this the guy Jason uh, Jake, I'm sorry, who I had on, he had no connection at all to Greg. He got involved because he just looked at it like any individual should look at that situation. What if this was my brother? What if this was my son? What if this was my father? How could this be done? How could this go on in the United States of America? And that's the problem. And that's what people need to realize. And that's what, where people need to wake up a bit and realize what's taking place. They're rewarding horrible, degenerate behavior heroin addicts, thieves, woman beaters, poor moral compass, people who have no ethics, no morals. No code of conduct to try to be a good person and try to, you know, give back to society and and try to do things on moral ground. I mean, you know, that's how I try to do things. You know, I try to live my life a certain way. I try to be respectful. Take care of your family. You honor your your mother and father. You try to do things properly. That's just, you know, being a, a human being. They don't have any of that. All that goes out the window. You have your this degenerate had his own mother get a protective order against him because he's degenerate, not taking care of his kids. He's a deadbeat father. He's a junkie. He's dealing with prostitutes. This uh, now he's going on podcasts and he's gonna talk like he's Godzilla and King Kong. They're nobodies. The truth is they're nobodies in any realm. They're no, They're just junkies, degenerates, pill popping, uh, you know, needle shooting, nose snorting. I don't even want to call them animals, because animals have more uh, of a moral compass than they do. They're just garbage pails. And now they're going to go and talk about and try to make it like, you know, they were were rock stars. And they're not. They're degenerates at their core. They're not men. And they're going to talk tough. They have the government backing them up. And it's frustrating that the general public eats this stuff up. And they buy into it. You know, and they allow them to get away with it because... uh, Oh, they testified against somebody in a high-profile case, so they should be rewarded. Are you kidding me? At the very least, they should tell the truth. They're going to lie about somebody and then get rewarded for lying? They're going to end people's lives for lying? And when you think about how dangerous is that? Say somebody don't like you for some reason. Say say you have somebody who just doesn't like you. They decide they're going to make up lies about you just to get you in trouble. Imagine you, you could wind up going to jail over somebody lying about you. How dangerous is that with no cooperation, no evidence? And it boils down to because if you're a big target, because normally if you're nobody and, and, you know, if you have and they're out there, I know they're out there. If you have prosecutors who, who are just trying to go by the law and just trying to enforce the law the right way and you have law enforcement who are just doing their job. Listen, there's good and bad in everything. And I'm not talking about those uh, women and, and, and men. Who, who just go by the law and try to do things in the name of justice. I'm not talking about them. They're doing things the right way. That's how it works. That's how the justice system works. I'm talking about the ones who bend the law and, and look away just to get their target, just to keep, uh, you know, a winning record. It's all about ego. You know, and that's what's scary. You know, their ego is more important than justice. They want the win at all costs. Even if the evidence isn't there, they want the win, and they're going to use these bottom-of-the-barrel garbage pails to get that wind. And they're going to clean them off. They're going to dust them off. They're going to try to make them look presentable. All to get that win, all to fool the jury. There's no other way of putting it, but they want to fool the jury into believing the person they have in front of them, the person testifying, is credible. And they're going to try to keep out as much as they can that refute that. I I spoke about this in the past episodes, how they'll try to keep out all of their past actions, how they'll try to keep out all of their degenerate ways and all of their bad habits. They'll try to tell the judge, well, it has nothing to do with their ability to tell the truth, which is nonsense, as I just hit on. That's absolute nonsense. And sometimes you have a judge who agrees with them, and then the jury doesn't get to hear the person who's in front of them. And you know, when you go back to my past episode where I talked about, where I said everybody's going to get a slap on the wrist, these informants get a slap on the wrist, does that make me Nostradamus? Am I a psychic? Can I predict it? Of course not. It's common sense. Just saw it play out. They're not going to testify unless they know they're going to get a sweet deal, a slap on the wrist. It's just not going to happen. Those 5K1 letters that the government tries to act like are meaningless. They are extremely powerful and... Nine out of ten times, if not ten out of ten times, the judge is going to go with the recommendation in the letters. That's just fact. You could twist it. You could argue technically, well, the judge could do whatever they want. Of course the judge could do whatever they want. But the judge isn't going to do uh, something that they feel uh, is uh, unreasonable. Why they think it's unreasonable, I don't know. But unfortunately, a judge is going to say, okay, you know, if the uh, prosecution, the government recommends a light sentence, this guy helped them convict their big target, I'm going to give them a slap on the wrist. Time served, you're out of jail. And that's just how it goes. And it's very important that the jury sees that, and that's why I think, you know, to put together every informant, what they were charged with, what they were facing, and what they wound up getting, you have to have the jury see that. If they could see that comparison, maybe a light bulb will go off. And that's what I would do if I was a defense attorney. I would lay that out. say the I would beat them to the punch, and I would say, the government's going to tell you that their 5K1 letter is meaningless. I guess technically, in the eyes of the law, yes, the judge has the ability to sentence these individuals as high as he or she wants to go. But I'm going to show you what really takes place. And you go down the, the informant's list, and you lay it out, and you say, this informant was faced with these counts. They were facing 40 years. They got time served. Go right down the list. Open the jurors' minds so they're not fooled by this false facade that they're trying to paint to make these informants appear as upstanding citizens who are trying to turn their life around. They're not trying to turn their lives around. You got to understand that, people. They're not the ones I'm talking about are absolutely not trying to turn their life around they're doing podcasts they're trying to talk about how tough they are how crazy they are they want to be treated like rock stars and that they're trying to help they're not trying to help anybody they're trying to help themselves that's it They don't want to do time. They want them to do all the crime and no time. They want them to act tough they want them to act like you know these crazy individuals they were shooting up snorting doing everything you think of popping pills. To give themselves nerve because they have no backbone. They can't, you know, they need chemically induced nerves, I guess. What they consider being tough, they need chemicals to bring that on because they're cowards. They're cowards deep down. That's the bottom line. They're cowards. They have no ethics. They have nothing guiding them. They're all for themselves. They don't care about their family. They don't care about anybody. Those are the facts. They care about themselves. And they'll try to justify it anyway, you know. An informant will always justify it. And I spoke about this in the past. Either you are or you're not. Nothing could justify it. If you're built a certain way, you're just built a certain way. And they're born that way. That's it. And again, disregard my opinion on this. If you don't agree with it, I have no problem with that. I'm not here to convince anybody to think the way I do. I don't care who agrees, who doesn't agree. I just want you to go by the facts here and what's right by justice and realize if you're faced with those things, it's dangerous. And you don't want that to be part of the justice system. You don't want those options to be available to the justice system. If you make an enemy, you want you want to be exposed where an enemy could put you away in jail for lies? You want that? Nobody wants that. That's dangerous. And that shouldn't be allowed. You piss somebody off and then they could target you? And just make up lies about you and then jam you up. And, and, you know, God forbid you wind up getting indicted. You wind up doing time all over lies. That's a dangerous chain of events. And it shouldn't be allowed. And that should bother you as a citizen. That lies could do so much damage on every level. If you have, you know, law enforcement, you have prosecutors, you have all of them who are just looking to get a target, looking to make their case, looking to get a win. And if they have all these tools available to them, And they use all of these people with no character, no code, no moral compass. And they could jam somebody up and put them away just based on that. That is extremely dangerous. And that's violation of constitutional rights. And that's not the country we live in. And unfortunately, that is the reality of it. That is what takes place. And people need to change that. People have the power. I I beat this point to death, but it's the truth. When you're on the jury, you have the power to overcome these things. You could make these wrongs a right. You could see through the BS and you could undo it. And that's all I ask. You got to open your eyes a little bit. You don't have to think the way I do. You don't have to feel the way I do. Just go by the law. That's it. Just go by the law and go by facts. Make sure the facts line up. Make sure people do have uh, the right agenda. You know, and that's the other thing they should show. They should show how these informants, after the fact, they try to say they have no agenda, they should then flash forward and show the podcast they do. I saw they were selling uh, uh, t-shirts, marketing. They're making money. It's all about making money and saving themselves. They need to show all that. They need to show who writes books. They need to show the chain of events. Show the jury the agenda that these informants have. That's really the bottom line. You need to expose them to that. You can't make it like these are, you know, good people looking to turn a new leaf and change their ways. That's not the case. It's very simplistic. They got jammed up for degenerate actions that they were doing. They didn't want to do the time, so their only out was to pick somebody that they knew the government would want, some kind of target, and make up lies about that person. That's how they got to the get-out-of-jail-free card. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. There's nothing more complicated. It's it's not deep at all. It's a very simple concept. Well, I I think that's it for today. I think I vented enough about this uh, current state of affairs. I think at the beginning of the show, I told you I was going to try to stay, keep my personal feelings out of it for a while. And I I guess I wasn't too truthful on that, huh? (laughs) I couldn't uh, help myself there. But uh, again, you know, when you see these things happen, it's very hard not to get personal. And not to really express how you feel. So I hope at the very least you understand the point I'm making and you realize my feelings are irrelevant and uh, you just understand what I'm trying to expose and what I'm trying, the points I'm trying to get across and how it does affect every individual living in this country if these things are allowed to take place. If it could happen to them, it could happen to you. Until next time.